You're listening to Irreverent Bible Talk, a podcast that's not your grandma's Bible study, unless your grandma happens to be really, really cool. Listener discretion is advised if you object to bad words, women preachers, or terrible puns. Welcome to Irreverent Bible Talk. I'm Jenny. I'm a Lutheran pastor, and I was predestined to start this podcast. And I'm Josh, and I'm an audio guy, and Jenny wrote for me to say something about universalism, but I don't even know what that is. And I'm Steve, and I'm also a Lutheran pastor, and I'm here to make sure that you two both get saved. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest to answer the age-old question, do all dogs go to heaven? So grab a beer, a mocktail, a cup of coffee, or your beverage of choice, and join us as we explore how the Bible is more complicated and more fascinating than you might expect. Well, uh, welcome to the new year of the podcast, everybody. Uh, Jenny, hello. Hi, Josh. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, we do have a special guest with us today. Josh, would you please introduce our special guest? Yes, uh, our special guest is a very close friend of mine who played video games and we talk a lot and text a lot and send silly memes to each other and discuss anime. And I guess he's also your husband, Jenny. Uh, Steve is on today with us. <laughs> that is correct. Steve, thank you for letting us talk you into this. Yeah, thank you all for having me. Uh, so Steve is here today. He is going to help us talk about salvation. Uh, but as always, we got to start with uh, what are you drinking? Josh, what are you drinking? Well, uh, you know, it's the new year and going back to work. And even though I love my job, I just feel like I needed a stiffer drink today. So I'm having uh, rum and cola because unless that red can wants to sponsor us, that's what we're going to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I understand that this particular rum and cola was mixed by your wife and she doesn't mess around. No, she mixes them like how I used to drink when I was right out of college and in college. So So this is going to be a fun episode is what you're saying. I hope so. Hey, Steve, what are you drinking? Uh, Well, I am drinking coffee, but in honor of you all, I put Bailey's in it. And Josh, my plan is, is that... Every time after I take a sip, and I'm sure you'll love this as an audio guy, I'm going to smack my lips and say, mmm, that's good coffee. I hate you so much right now. Like, I just want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, Jenny, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a juicy West Coast IPA. That's what it says on the can. Hmm. It's pretty good. Weird. I've never heard, thought you drank IPAs. I know, this is like a thing now. So we're doing this episode today on salvation, and I'm going to be all ears for this one because, you know, my religion education only goes so far, but you two are pastors, so you can make that decision and say, right? Uh, Yes, that is actually 90% of being a pastor is deciding whether or not other people are saved. That's a joke, to be clear. But yeah, Steve agreed to come on. I know that he has done like a a church study on this before. So I know it's a topic that he has thought about. And I thought this would be a great thing uh, for us to dive into the new year with. So Steve, take it away. Yeah, I can go ahead and kick us off. So we're going to talk about salvation. And in particular, first, I want to clarify what it is we mean when we're talking about salvation. 
right? Because there's the ultimate salvation, which we talk about when we die, who's going to heaven and hell. But we could also talk about salvation as in salvation right here and now. And what difference does God make in your life right here in this moment? And for this conversation, I'm more thinking about the former. In other words, what happens when you die? So does that make sense? We're going to talk about salvation in the ultimate sense rather than the present sense. Absolutely. As Billy Graham would say, do you know where you're going if you died tonight? Right. Yeah. Real light stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming the morgue. Yes. Or a funeral home. Isn't that how it works? Typically, yes. Yeah, typically that's where it starts. Unless you're really, really bad and then like a devil opens a portal and drags you straight down to hell like you're in Don Giovanni. Mm, I was going to say, I've seen that movie. She falls on like the subway tracks, mm. even though she broke the curse allegedly, but still got pulled to hell. <laughs> Steve, you can tell we're this real serious This is not part here. of my notes. All right. <laughs> Well, where I wanted to start us off was by making three statements, because most theologies of salvation let you pick two of these three statements. And I think this will be a good place to start the conversation. Here are these three statements, and again, you get to pick two of them, typically. The first is, God wants everyone to be saved. The second is, God gets what God wants. And the third is, some people are going to go to hell forever. So I'm going to say those three one more time because I think this is a helpful place to start. And again, most theologies of salvation let you pick two of these three. Number one, God wants everyone to be saved. Number two, God gets what God wants. And number three, some people are going to go to hell for all eternity. So I'll say more about that in a little bit, but maybe I'll just pause here and see what you all think about those three statements. Uh, I'll start that off. Well, if number one, God wants all people to be saved, right? Mm-hmm. God gets what God wants, right? For number two? Yeah, yeah. So then number three shouldn't even have to worry about being an option because if God wants everyone to be saved, then everyone should be saved. And I believe, and I know we've talked about this before, I think in our hell episode, how I believe that God would save all humanity, no matter what. Like, that's just a loving God. But it could be wrong. It's happened once. Yeah, so uh, Josh is opting for for one and two and throwing number three out. Uh, I would definitely say the same, but just to just to make it a little more interesting, I think for me, out of those three statements, I find the second one really fascinating. Of God always gets what God wants because that's kind of a question that gets at the heart of is God like all powerful? Can God microwave a burrito so hot that God can't eat it? You know that kind of riddle. But I I do find that really interesting because it forces us to ask some pretty important questions about what God is and and what God can do. Mm -hmm. And questions about free will, too. Mm. And I've always been taught if we're, you know, if we have free will, we're doomed to fail. But that's just, Mm. that's just my, you know, optimistic religion teachings that I've been taught, which is, it's a fair statement. Yeah, and I think there are plenty of folks, and just to give some more clarity on these three statements and how you get to pick two, right? There are some people, it sounds like you, Jenny, and you, Josh, who would say, yes, on the first two, God wants everyone to be saved, and God gets what God wants, so we're going to throw out the third one, that some people are going to go to hell for all eternity. Some people would say, God wants everyone to be saved, but we have free will, so God doesn't always get what God wants, so some people are going to go to hell. And then there are some people who would say as well, God doesn't want everyone to be saved. That's not actually the case. And God does get what God wants, but sometimes that means God wants people to go to hell. 
And I, I find that third possibility sort of the most troubling, that God would be a-okay with, yeah, some folks just suffer torment forever and ever, and that's all right. It kind of feels like one of those carnival games that you go to at like the really tiny fairs or and you're just like, you know, there's no way to win this. Everything's stacked against you, but you'll still try to win that stuffed animal, even though you know that it's not going to happen. There's no way. And that's kind of feel how that third option is like, it's, it's just not fair. It's not, I can't, I can't wrap my head around that thought process. Yeah. And it, it kind of gets to, I'm sure Steve's going to talk more about this, but like this idea of predestination. I had somebody once describe it to me as like, you're a fly inside a train car, and no matter what direction you choose to go as the fly, the train car is going where it's going. And like your your agency, your free will cannot alter your final destination, so to speak. But what if you go between the cars when somebody opens that door and you get through one of those cracks and then you're out in the open then. Can't do it. Can't do it, Josh. But that but that's how it works. That's how trains work. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, this... in this thought experiment, the train is hermetically sealed and you can't get out. Oh, so it's what is it that a show movie was that with the Chris Evans one? Uh Snowpiercer. You're just you're stuck in the trains. Like there's just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry, Steve. Oh no, you're good, you're good. So let me toss out a fourth statement then, and this fourth statement is in the form of the question. And that question is, who do you believe God is? And I feel like that really informs, too, what you believe about salvation. Who do you believe God is? Do we worship a God who would want to send people to hell for all eternity? Or do we worship a God who wants everyone to be saved? And I feel like that's an important thing to hold on to, too. Who do you believe God is? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we uh, we kind of came up against this a little bit when we talked about like this idea of like the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. Spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to that episode, they're the same God. But there are places in scripture where God is incredibly merciful and kind. And then there are also parts of scripture where God seems pretty you know, wrathful or judgmental. There are parts of scripture where Jesus is like, screw you, fig tree, now you're cursed. And it's like, really? What a weird story too. Can we, yeah, like just this, this tree's not bearing fruit. Well, I'm going to curse this thing. Mm -hmm. So it never bears fruit again. But anyway, sorry, Steve, take us, take us back to salvation. Oh yeah, no worries. Well, let's start off by going through a couple of, I'm going to call them models of salvation, or maybe theologies of salvation. Let's start with Pelagianism, which I'm pretty sure, looking at my notes here, that is uh, Pelagius, I think, is a villain in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure, yes. Darth Pelagius, that sounds right. Oh, I thought he became the emperor. (laughs) (laughs) But no, Pelagianism goes back to the days of the early church. And what that is about, this is a vast oversimplification, but I'm going to do it anyway, is basically that we as human beings in this theology are born without any sin. There's no original sin. And the idea is is that God would not ask us to do something that is impossible. God would not ask us to be good and have that be an impossible task. So in Pelagianism, you have to be really, really good. And that is obtainable. And if you're not really, really good, then you are potentially damned for it. Another way to put that would be to say you are saved by good works. Mm. Which, as we all know, 
uh, has Martin Luther rolling over in his grave. Right. But but I think like Pelagianism is kind of, you know, it's the way that we raise kids to understand consequences, right? Is like, if you make these choices, you have to live with the outcome. And it's kind of taking that like writ large. The Santa Claus method. If you're bad, you're going to get coal in your sock as opposed to exactly. presents and a new gaming station system. So God is the elf on the shelf who's always creeping on you, wanting to know if you're good or bad? Well, no, the elf is an agent Okay, working for Santa slash God. Got it. We could at least agree that elf on the shelf is creepy. No, oh, yeah. yeah, no, it's surveillance state for babies. It's terrible. Yeah, like the second I ever heard about that, I was like, well, that's unsettling. But I always have like this, I get creeped out by dolls the way it is. <laughs> like not figurines, but like dolls that are yeah yeah no josh all your anime figures are watching you Mm -hmm. uh that that is a lot of eyes (laughs) which makes me think that is a lot of money that i have spent that i shouldn't have but anyway (laughs) it makes me happy but going back to it um pelagianism it was actually declared by the early church uh, a heresy Always fun, always fun to find out that things are actually heresies, even though probably a lot of people still believe them. I'm going to ask how early of the church, because that sounds like kind of how Jenny brought up earlier. That sounds like, you know, that medieval, I don't want to just say Catholicism, but hey, do good works by these indulgences. That's kind of what it feels like. So how early was that declared a heresy and how did that get reversed if so? Our friend Wikipedia, because I did just look this up real quick, says that Pelagianism was decisively condemned in 418. Well, now I'm even more confused, but... So, about 400 years after Jesus. Just just wait till we hear about Mm, semi-Pelagianism. That maybe is it, then. Yes, which is actually a type of chocolate chip you could put into cookies, Mm, semi-Pelagianism. Not as sweet, not as... Yeah, if you're keeping score at home, we have one Star Wars villain and one chocolate chip cookie ingredient. And some elves on the shelf mixed in there, too, for good measure. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about semi-Pelagianism, because I think it'll make it more clear by making it more complicated. So, semi-Pelagianism is, oh, I'll call it Pelagianism light, Pelagianism diet. And what that says is that you are saved by the good work of faith that God's grace really isn't there for you, again, this is an oversimplification, until one uses one's free will to accept God's uh, uh, presence into their life. There's this image that sometimes people will say of God's grace is just there waiting to pour out for you. It's, It's right there. All you have to do is turn on the tap. That gift of grace is right there to be put into your hands. You just have to reach out and grab it. So that would be semi pelagianism which is being saved by the work of starting to have faith. Semi-Pelagianism is when Aladdin reaches out to Jasmine and says, do you trust me to get on the flying carpet? And Jasmine has to say yes and take Aladdin's hand to go on the flying carpet ride, which in this metaphor is salvation. Which is a callback to when he did it and when they were running from the guards when she stole the apple on accident. But that's a whole other thing. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Josh. Just decoding the mysteries of Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that's what this podcast is about. Yeah. We're talking about uh, animated movies that uh, all started with a cartoon mouse. That's our new thing. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if we're going to try to, I don't want to like poke holes in just the, the thought process. Are we doing that? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think we should. Yeah. Please poke holes. <laughs> so what about that? Like, I, I can't remember where it's at, but that island that is like still like the indigenous settlers on that island that anytime a visitor goes there, they get murdered because this village has always been like protected and they've always like killed the outsiders and that's why they're still alive today because you know they protected themselves from diseases and stuff by keeping everything out that just is one of the the things that have happened from it what about them that haven't really had a chance to hear about god's grace like how how can they be condemned for something that they can't learn haven't had the opportunity to learn how can somebody that's a child that's like been passed around and you know ended up on the streets and it's like, oh, but, well, if you love God, that's going to be that's going to be great. Like, how how is that person supposed to be like, oh, yeah, God's grace. Like, I've been kept down ever since I was born. Like, how how can that be something that helps somebody want to believe? Yeah. And this is where I think it's helpful to come back to those three statements. Right. So in semi-Pelagianism, God wants everyone to be saved, but God doesn't always get what God wants. So in that thought process, then, it would be the church's job or, or a Christian's job then to go to that person and tell them about God. And if they don't, there's big consequences. Personally, I find that very problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I know I've kind of said something. I think, I can't remember if it was last episode where I kind of brought up missionaries and how I do believe there are good missionaries. I believe there are people doing great things out there but i think some people are just like well they show up and be like well you got to believe in god or else you're like you're going to hell okay well how does that help me when i'm trying to feed my starving children right and and i mean like this semi-pelagian approach is really good motivation for people to go out and do missionary work and do evangelism because it's like oh my gosh if i don't tell them then they really are going to be condemned to hell but i think it does then reflect back on that question of like who do we think god is like is god the really the kind of of deity who would damn people just because like josh didn't do his missionary homework good enough like mm-hmm. right and it, it also comes back to like well why are we doing this in the first place why are you witnessing for god is it because you are trying to get that extra credit on the missionary homework Mm -hmm. or is it because you truly feel motivated by the holy spirit to go out and like talk to people and like witness and help in their everyday lives yeah i think about it as like the difference between are you sharing the good news which is like these are the ways that i've experienced god and i want to tell people about it or are you sharing the bad news which is like believe what i believe or else and I think those are two very different approaches. Mm. Yeah, one of them, I have an image in my head of someone from the mafia showing up and saying, it sure would be a shame if something were to happen to your store. Mm-hmm. Right? One is very threatening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God's going to break your kneecaps. Yes. All right, Steve, what else have you got for us? Yes. Well, I should just add one more thing about semi-plagianism before we wrap that part up. And that is to say you compared it to Aladdin reaching out to Jasmine. I feel like that's a good image, but it's not quite there. And that's because, as at least as I understand it, in true semi-Pelagianism, it's really the human being that starts that act of faith, right? That's where it begins. And in that image, Aladdin is the one starting it off for Jasmine, right? 
So in true semi-plagianism, it's the human being who starts it, not God. Jasmine just has to spontaneously trust this random dude who showed up at her house. Right, right. This is really in the nitty-gritty, in the weeds. I personally don't see the distinction between the two so much, but I don't know if you all get angry emails. I don't want you to get... (laughs) You know, the, 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 all those big Pelagius fans there, they might get mad at you if I don't correct myself here. Yes. In all fairness, that is not the most controversial thing we've said on this podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, come up with stuff, but it's been a long... It was a long 2023, so... Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. <laughs> I know I've said something way more offensive to for far less, so... <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Hey, Steve, is semi-Pelagianism a heresy? Hey, it is a heresy, actually. It was declared a heresy at the Council of Orange, I believe. That would have been around 500-something B.C. Hmm. Uh, 529. Again, thank you to our friend Wikipedia. Fair enough. I feel like if you start looking deeply enough into church history, everything becomes a heresy. And I think this is a really interesting one because so, so many people really do hold to semi-Pelagianism and, like, they probably don't want to be told that that's a heresy, but it is. It is, friends. Watch out for early church heresies in your local community. I think it all just comes down to everyone's fallen short. Mm. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. And that's just, you know, in theory, that's what it is. Thank you, St. Paul. Right. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yep. So, Steve, if we don't like either of these models of salvation, what other options are out there? Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all of those who may not fit into those said categories, let me offer to you predestination as a model. (laughs) Oh, boy. So predestination is just like it sounds, and that is that there are some people who are predestined for salvation, and there are some people who are not. Some theologians have made the distinction between single predestination and double predestination. Single predestination says that some people are predestined to go to heaven, and some people just, you know, God ignores them or something. I don't know. And double predestination says some people are predestined to go to heaven and some people are predestined to go to hell. Personally, I don't really see the distinction between those two. But again, if we return to those three statements, to me, it feels like predestination says God doesn't want everybody to be saved, but God always gets what God wants. And as a result of that, that means that there are some people who are going to go to hell forever. That seems such a, I mean... Obviously, I'm shitting on everything we're talking about, but that seems like such a terrible... Yeah, that one's uh, it's kind of a bummer. If I'm predestined to go to heaven, I can be the biggest asshole ever, but I'm still going to heaven. I don't have to be good. I don't have to care mm. because I'm going to heaven. Even if I believe in God, I can just still be like, well, you know, but God would, wouldn't want me to do this. I mean, God's going to let me do whatever I want. I'm predestined to scam these people or steal this money or perhaps you are predestined to scam and steal because that is what god had determined for you Mm -hmm. and if you were good and were going to heaven that's because what that's what god had planned for you as well well that comes up to stacking up what yeah that's like a whole but what sin is worse than the other Mm -hmm. because if i'm speeding that's still technically a sin because it's disobeying the government because we're supposed Mm -hmm. to give unto caesar what is caesar and and all that jazz. Yeah, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Yeah. Which I have never done, for the record. 
That's because unlike the rest of us, Steve doesn't sin. Yeah. Yes. Steve's right. Steve's perfect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've heard him get pissed when I've screwed him over in video games or the fact that he just likes to <laughs> gaslight me when we're playing Among Us. Mmm, that's good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you will be happy to know that technically the doctrine of the Lutheran Church is predestination. It is one of those things that as a Lutheran pastor, you're supposed to to uphold and teach the Lutheran confessions. And the Lutheran confessions are like, yeah, predestination. And I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one always kind of riles people up in the Lutheran Church when I tell them that, that technically Martin Luther believed in predestination. So he talked about being saved by grace through faith. But for Martin Luther, faith was not something you chose. God put it in you, that you have no free will when it comes to whether or not you have faith. He wrote a book called On the Bondage of the Will. And that's what he says in there, is that if you have faith, it's not because you chose to have faith. You have faith because God put it into you. Therefore, it is predetermined or predestined whether or not one goes to heaven or goes to hell. Which, to an extent, I can somewhat see... That in the aspect that, I, you know, my personal belief is that everyone's destined to receive salvation if God is the God I believe. Mm -hmm. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like you can kind of do a loophole on predestination and be like, actually, God predestines everyone to be saved, mm -hmm. which is maybe not what Luther thought. You know... It's that, that's a lot different than, you know, the songs that I remember of Saved by Grace. Mm -hmm. Like, not by the predestination part. You never hear that in that jingle. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like we should shout out Romans chapter 8, because this is where... I mean, Romans in general is where a lot of uh, this theology is rooted. But Romans 8 is where this, like, concept of predestination is found at least most explicitly, Paul writes, those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So it's this idea of like, we are saved and we are adopted into God's family because this is something that God, like, intended from the start. And again, you could say, like, maybe that applies to everyone or maybe that only applies to some people. Well, on that positive note, do you want to move on to the last one I've got? Mm-hmm. So the last one would be universalism. And by that, I mean the idea that everybody is saved. So this adopts those first two statements of God wants everyone to be saved, and God gets what God wants. So, in the end, everyone goes to heaven. All dogs go to heaven, so to speak. <laughs> That's the really important part, is that all dogs, all go, dogs to go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven, yes. Also, mm -hmm. since we're talking about Lutheran doctrine, Martin Luther did say that dogs go to heaven. <laughs> That's really what's at stake here. <laughs> yes, that is what's at stake here. But no, Luther said, like, your your dog is going to be wagging his little tail in doggy heaven. Oh, Cats... Not so sure about. They're kind of terrible, <laughs> but they're kind of great. So it's just that 50-50 shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cats are really that case study in like, can you be be predestined for evil? I was just going to say, as, I, as we say that, I can hear my cat outside the door, Ashy, freaking out oh. because a door is shut. Yeah. 
We had to lock our new kitten in the downstairs bathroom. He's fine. We'll let him out in a few minutes. But he would not stop pounding on the door while we were trying to record. He was just predestined to be bad. It's not his fault. Yeah, for real. Feels like a cop-out. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway... For universalism, I should be clear, for all of these, I've been vastly oversimplifying them so that this podcast doesn't last six hours, but universalism can mean a lot of different things. Some people will believe that when you die, God just saves everybody, and that's it. Some people believe that when you die, you come face to face with Jesus, and it's so amazing that you go, I have to believe because you've now seen this thing. Some people think that there is some sort of cleansing or transformation that happens after you die that God brings you through, right? So universalism isn't necessarily a get-out-of-jail-free card, so to speak, but it can mean a lot of different things depending on whom you ask. But the idea is that ultimately, in the end, God saves everybody, and God has that figured out. And I'm sure you guys are all surprised, and our listeners are surprised. That's the kind of more the traditional thought that I believe, mm-hmm. if my freaking out about everything else hasn't been abundantly clear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I would agree with you. And again, for me, it just comes back to that question of who do you believe God is? And ultimately, for me, I believe that God is all about love. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I throw a little bit of a a wrench into the works? Please do. Mm -hmm. Because I would love to talk a little bit about C.S. Lewis Mm -hmm. and The Great Divorce, which I think I've mentioned before on the podcast. But just to like briefly describe it, C.S. Lewis wrote this this short book called The Great Divorce. It's a reference to William Blake's Marriage of Heaven and Hell. So The Great Divorce is like the divorce of heaven and hell. But basically, he like imagines an afterlife. And I think he's sort of trying to present this idea of like, why would anyone choose damnation. And so I I think to go back to Steve's kind of three premises, the great divorce is based on the idea that God wants everyone to be saved, but God doesn't always get what God wants. So there are some people who are in hell and in this like allegory, they can choose to go to heaven anytime they want to. There's a bus and you can take the bus up to heaven and you can just visit and then go back or you can stay totally up to you as an individual. And C.S. Lewis kind of presents this idea that some people would actually choose the torment and misery and loneliness of hell over, like, the blessedness of heaven. Which I think, like, it comes from things that we see in real life, right? Like, people who are dealing with addiction, mental illness, all kinds of things. And it's like, well, but you could make different choices. You could go a different way. And and it seems like people choose to stay in those kind of bad situations. Personally, I think we should we should examine that idea that people are able to make other choices. But that's the way C.S. Lewis presents it, is that some people would eternally choose Mm-hmm. to be alone and be angry and be miserable rather than choosing to go to heaven. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting take on this whole question of like, it's not God forcing people into that situation. God is not like throwing them into the pit and locking it behind them. Uh, but it's actually something that people are choosing themselves over and over again. Well, and that reminds me of an example I'm going to use for my personal life. Um, 
So when I was in college, I when I was when I first started taking like my antidepressants and we you know we were figuring out levels and instead of, you know, just feeling I'm just going to say like just flat all the time, I chose not to take them and which made me, you know, depressed, irritable, pissy, whatever word you want to say there. Mm. But I made that choice instead of like not kind of feeling anything, I chose to feel worse. So that's a very that's a human I think it's a very human idea and a human reaction to things because i think just we have that whole spectrum of emotions and stuff that can really Mm -hmm. grew with us on that level yeah and i think about times where like i have felt i don't know angry or frustrated or whatever but like i'm choosing to wallow in it you know and it's like I could choose to go talk to my friends or like take a walk or spend time with my dog. And I know I would feel better, but like I'm just choosing to be Mm. miserable and like stay in those yucky emotions. And so I think it's kind of a similar concept. And then C.S. Lewis is like, okay, but what if that was the afterlife? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And for me, as I think about that, this is a really thoughtful, helpful image for me. For me, when it comes to then that question of salvation, the question is, which is greater? That choice, whether it's a choice or not, is perhaps a different question, but that choice, you can't see the air quotes I'm doing, but choice, or God's love, which of those two is greater? Jenny, earlier you mentioned Romans 8, and the way Romans 8 ends is, for I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. So what that verse there suggests is that there is nothing in all of creation, not even death itself, that is able to separate you from God's love. So then the question is, where does your own choice fit into that equation? And to me, choice is not something that can trump God's love. That's Mm -hmm. what I hear from that verse. Yeah, it's kind of like if if God is saying yes to you, can your no ever overrule God's mm, yes? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is a, an interesting mm. question. Yeah, which of the two of you is greater in that scenario? <laughs> right. Your yes or God's no? Or, sorry, I said that backwards. Yeah. God's yes or your no. Yeah, let me just pretend that I didn't say that and Josh could very kindly cut that out. Nope. Which of the two is greater in that scenario? Your no or God's yes. He might leave it in. He does that to me. Mmm, that's some good coffee. <laughs> what can I say? I worship chaos. That's <laughs> fair. You were predestined to do so, Josh. Ugh. But that is something I actually do want to point out, is, is that you can find, we've kind of gone through four models of salvation here, those being Pelagianism, semi-Pelagianism, predestination, and universalism. Or another way that we could phrase that would be being saved by works, being saved by the work or the act of faith, predestination, and universalism. And you can find Bible passages that support all four of those. And to me, what really then is at stake here is, again, this question of who do you believe God is? Who is your overall, or what is your overall view of God? Interesting. Yeah. And that's tough, because as you know, we see in everyday life that, you know, 
you can pick and choose which verses you want to apply in your daily life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I've seen, I've seen people on the internet who have pointed out like the like Hellfire and Damnation crowd. They love to like you know cite their proof texts that back up their point of view. But if you're a universalist, you can find some really good proof texts for universalism. I mean, like, nothing can separate us from the mm-hmm. love of God. Yeah, I just did it. Um, right? Or, or like John 3.16, God so loved the world, like, the whole world. And God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. That's John 3.17. So, yeah, I... It's not like one of these is scripturally supported and the others are not. Correct, yeah. 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 The Bible's complicated. It really is. As it turns out. I think that's why it's important to have discussions with people. To learn more and to kind of solidify some things that you believe. Because it gives you that opportunity to to broaden your horizons. So even though it's tough, and even though it's sometimes things you might not always agree with, it's good to... To dig and to poke and to question, mm-hmm. okay, well, I have always thought this, but why? Yeah, for sure. And like, I think one of the things that we have had a lot of fun exploring, Josh, is like, okay, well, you believe X, and then what are the implications of that? Because we don't necessarily always think through like, okay, but then what does that say about God? What does that say about the world? What does that say about human nature? Uh, and it can be really interesting to dig into those things. Mm-hmm. It, it really can. And if, you know, I haven't really poked a lot of holes in universalism, but I, I will right now, you know, I, I do believe everyone's going to be saved. But what does that say to, you know, the person that has always had wealth and power and just uses that for corruption and awful things? Like, but they can still be saved. Like, it, it's tough. It makes you question, like, okay, where's where's karma coming in? Mm-hmm. Where is yeah. right? Like, where's where's the divine justice for people who have like done horrible things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It does not fit in line with an idea of human justice. And there are some people who believe in universal salvation who say that God has some way of working that out, some way of making things right, maybe even some way of punishing sometimes after death, but ultimately there is salvation. So that isn't, again, to say that everyone gets off scot-free, so to speak. But yeah, but yeah it, it certainly does not fit with the our concept of justice, right? Uh-huh. It does not seem or feel right in some ways. Yeah, because there's plenty of people out there that can just get away with everything because of who they are. Mm. But when it comes down to it, it's because they were born. They can do anything that they want. And maybe that's just the rum talking, but (laughs) it pisses me off. But at the same time, I don't want to not believe that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, for me, it comes back to that idea of Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Is human evil greater than God's love? And in the end, I've got to believe that God's love is greater, even when I find that upsetting or disturbing. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Steve, for talking about models of salvation with us. Uh, I think next time we're going to bring you on and just talk about the DC Trinity. Okay, great. It's not going to have anything to do with the Bible. We're just going to talk about Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. (laughs) And why Superman is the top of the Trinity. No, wrong. (laughs) 
incorrect and it's it's really fitting that all three of us like have the specific views on that (laughs) i I do feel like you all played a weird trick on me that you asked me to come in to be part of your podcast and then but yeah then talk about heaven and hell and who's gonna go and who's not yeah talk about predestination and how this will upset everyone who's lutheran (laughs) welcome to the podcast bro right you've listened to this you know better you know that we're not going to just let everything be happy and cheery. Fair enough, fair enough. That's way too easy and comforting. Yep, absolutely. But yeah, again, uh, thanks, thanks, Steve. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Josh, you want to take us home? All right. Well, I just want to thank everybody that has been listening to us in 2023. And we are going to keep continuing this in 2024. and going to try to keep that bi-weekly schedule that we have strove to to push uh unless i do eventually have my stomach surgery which everyone seems to be saying yes that's good for you you should do it but i'm myself so i'm gonna try to put that off as long as possible if you have any questions our contact information is in your episode description feel free to agree disagree let us know topics you want to talk about just keep it polite to be fair, we haven't we haven't really gotten a lot of hate mail, so it's all good. I'm expecting at least one email from Darth Pelagius after this. Yeah, fair. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Reverend Bible Talk. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or find us at soundcloud.com slash irreverentbible. And remember, just like Balaam and his donkey learned, sometimes even God communicates through a talking ass.